Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. Today, I am super excited to have a guest that I know is going to inspire you. Baji is somebody who, she walks her talk, and it is so much fun for me to share um, the, the beautiful people that I get to meet as inspiration to help you on your journey, because just like Baji, just like me, you too are a mag magnificent being, and you too are destined to awaken if that is something you desire. The Align with Lina is nothing more than an opportunity for me to bring to you examples of ordinary people who, like Baji, like myself, who have committed to doing the work that is necessary to awaken. What that means is that we have decided to go into our own story. We have gone within and we have looked at all of the potential blocks that keep us from remembering the truth of who we are. Incarnating on this planet of density is, is an opportunity to forget who we are. And this spiritual path is a path of doing the necessary work to remember the truth of who we are. So please join me in welcoming my dear friend, Baji. I am so excited that you are here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Lina. Namaste. Namaste, my friend. This is super, super exciting. So I am going to, uh, as I had mentioned to you earlier today, going to do that quick little check on Facebook to make sure that our, well, we're showing up perfectly on Facebook. So thank you. Um, all right, my friend, let, let me start the conversation with you where I started with everybody. Hey, Diane, thanks for joining us. Um, when did you realize that there was more to life than what you had been taught? Maybe how old were you? What stage of life were you in? What was going on? When you began to realize, you know, there's got to be another way. There's got to be more to who I am. When was that for you? Well, I would like to say that I always knew, and on one level I did, but consciously I did not awaken until my uh, 30s. And uh, I was living in California, Northern California in the Bay Area, where I had uh, been born and had lived my entire life. And uh, I was actually in graduate school at the University of San Francisco, completing my doctorate. And I had a very dear friend, I wanna say something about her in a minute, but I had a very dear friend who had been attending this church uh, called the East Bay Church of Religious Science. I had no awareness of what that was at all. And I basically told her, stop bothering me about coming to your church. I'm working on a doctorate. I don't have time. I'll come after I'm finished. Well, as it turned out, I did finish my degree. Uh, I did attend that church. And that was the beginning of my conscious path that opened me into a philosophy that showed me there was much, much more to life than I had been aware prior to that point. Let me say a word about this friend. I will call her Barbara, because that was her name before she changed it. And she originally was like my guide, my uh, mentor, mm -hmm. Will, on this path. And then the uh, tables turned, and I became her mentor. And mm -hmm. she descended into a very dark place, and she developed a very uh, severe paranoia 
and eventually was unable to leave her home. Um, she had a very negative body image and she passed at the end of last year. And so um, what I learned from that experience is that we all are one another's teachers. We all are walking one another home and we all are always at choice. That was her path. I'm making a different choice for how I want to live and walk my path. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful tribute to the friend that, that in, invited you into this incredible path that you're on. You know, something that you said, and I'd like to touch on that because it's just so important. And I don't think that we've ever had the conversation here deliberately like this. So it must be what, what we're supposed to talk about. So there must be a calling for this, this in the conversation. And that is that we all have divine partners on this journey. And I absolutely believe that this journey is kind of like a seesaw, that there are times that one partner is up further up in, in frequency and in the light, they've seen something a little more clearer than we have, and they help us and that that lifts us. And then it, it may very well be that at some point in the journey, we're the ones that help them come up, and we help them and they lift and then we our our frequency may be down. So like, a, like, a you know, like kids on a seesaw, we help each other here. And it is absolutely part of the journey. Let's talk a little bit more about that. And let's say hi to our friend, Yuji. Hello, Miss Yuji. I'm so good that um, we have your energy here. Uh, she, she's just somebody that I absolutely adore because she too, like you, is somebody that walks, walks the path. And I love to honor um, those of us who do this, this tough work, but let's talk about your friend. Let's talk about Barbara and that seesaw and the, and, and generalize uh, Barbara as an archetype of one that assists us. And then we assist them. Say a little bit more about that as in your life. Absolutely. I'm in agreement with the way that you framed it. I would add to that piece, just the fact that we're all one. Mm -hmm. So that the person that is leading me today may in fact be the person that I lead tomorrow. And I'm, sh I'm shown different aspects of who I am through my journey with others on this pathway. So I think it's very important to stay open. I think it's very important to see everyone as the mirror to who I am, and you know this, Lina, that's part of the um, the Course in Miracle teaching, that we are all one another's mirrors. Yeah. So I am using that philosophy to help frame my life. It's one of the important teachings that I have gained. And we sometimes arrive at the point where it's like equilibrium, and that's a very beautiful feeling where you're just reveling in the synchronicity, the symbiosis of oneness. And you know that you know, and they know that you know, and they know that they, they know. And it's just a very beautiful energy. And we don't always appreciate 
when someone is above us, quote unquote, um, to show us something. We sometimes move into feeling uh, less than, or we begin to worship the other person. None of that is appropriate. It's all a symbiotic relationship that is ever evolving. That's the way I see it. Absolutely. That is so beautiful and, and so powerful and, and love the way you stated that. Because in that oneness, we revel like little children on a playground. We're just there to have fun, just there to, to enjoy the experience and to be with a friend, a buddy to, to just for the sheer joy of it. Because what, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Earlier on in my journey, thank you ladies for such sweet comments. Earlier on in my journey, I, I wanted to get somewhere. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to arrive there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be there. And this is what it's supposed to look like. And it has been nothing like that. For me, the, the space that I am in now is an ever-expanding place, so there's no getting there. Um, it's a recognition that there has always been with me. It's how much of that am I going to let myself experience. And it's just turned out to be that joyful appreciation, that joyful playfulness. Say a little bit more about that for you. Um, it, it, that's how I try to experience life as an unfolding adventure. So everything that I learn, I realize there's more to learn. So it becomes this very enjoyable unfoldment of who I am. I can look back years and years and years ago, prior to even the 30s, as a child, and I didn't have self-awareness. I was just playing. I was outdoors with my friends, going to the park, you know, digging in the earth, finding worms, <laughs> you know, on the playground. Every day was a new adventure. And um, then when the sun went down and I knew I had to be in the house, right, I would look forward to more adventure the next day. Yeah. So I think this is the way that life is supposed to be lived. And if I'm not living from that space, then I have to ask myself, what's going on? Where's, <laughs> what's blocking me? What, where is the sadness coming from? Where is the fear coming from? Where is the self-loathing or the judgment coming from? You know, because that is not the natural uh, identity that, that I came into this life with, that all of us came into this life with. I love that you're saying that because right now we're in the middle of this, this craziness. Hold on one quick second. I hope I was able to mute that out. <laughs> I had a little tickle in my throat. But yes, we we have come in with that. It's it's the essence of who we were as little children, like you were saying. You were busy catching worms. I was busy chasing salamanders. That's what I loved. Salamanders and little froggies. And that's why so many of the teachings that that um 
are pointing to the truth, they all tell us that we have to become like little children to enter that kingdom of heaven. So say more about that, because that is, I feel, what has made humanity this uh, joyless experiment where we are busy on the the hems, you know, hamster wheel of life, chasing, chasing, going nowhere. And that has sucked out so much of our joy. It has sucked out so much of our spontaneity. And right now we have with this pandemic, this incredible opportunity to put all of that busyness on pause. So say more about how you're, you are connecting, how you connect with that inner child, how you keep that present and conscious, because you were talking about asking yourself, questioning yourself when you're not in, in that space, but open it up more, unpack that for us, please. I'll be very happy to share a little bit more about my personal path and my personal practices. Um, you see right behind me a symbol, and this is a major symbol for my path which is the uh, Taoist symbol of yin and yang. And my belief is that life has light and darkness and that the more that we live into the light, that we diminish the darkness. And so to keep that light aflame, uh, personally for me, I, at the beginning of each day, sit in my sanctuary. I'm blessed to have a beautiful uh, partner and he accompanies me on this journey and we do this practice together. We go into the sanctuary and we read uh, uplifting uh, daily guides in the Science of Mind magazine. It's a guide every day we read it. We also read from uh, Esther Hicks, a calendar. We have a perpetual calendar. There's a reading for every day. And then we go into 365 Tao. There's a reading there. And another book that I use is Emmett Fox. And Emmett yeah. has a daily reading. So we do all of these readings. And by that point, we're ready to go into the stillness. Now I'll say stillness for anyone who might still get certain trepidation at the mention of the word meditation, because I still hear a lot of people say, I can't meditate, uh, it doesn't work for me, blah, blah, blah. So just stillness, sit down, be still, be silent. We may have some soft music on in the background, we may not. And we try to do this from 12 to 20 minutes. Um, and then we do a prayer at the end of our meditation. And then I'm ready for the day. He goes to work. He's still considered essential. He's out in the world. But I'm here, so I do my Tai Chi. And Tai Chi mm -hmm. is something that is such a meaningful part of my life. I am a trained Tai Chi instructor. I follow the Dr. Paul Lamb um, instruction, and uh, I've been certified to teach. I taught in senior centers for close to eight years, and then I stopped. I stopped uh, over a year ago because it began to feel like a job. <laughs> I already retired in 1999 
from a long career in community college. And I didn't want a job. I wanted to offer what I had to offer from the depths of my heart and my spirit. And so as it became more like a job with more rules, um, I just stepped away from that. And so I still do the Tai Chi on my own. And as I was saying to you, Lina, a little earlier, I spent all day Saturday on the World Tai Chi Qigong internet program. They were broadcasting all of these wonderful Tai Chi practitioners from all over the world and they were each providing uh, some instruction. So it was a glorious day for me. And so that's what I do mainly for my exercise other than walking. And when the uh, lockdown is over, I will return to the gym because I also like to do some aerobic uh, exercise. So that's basically what, what I'm doing. Steady, stillness, and sharing. I'm part of several groups and we get together weekly, we study, we talk, we share. Oh, that's beautiful. Love that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Tai Chi and Qigong. I have, I have uh, participated in Qigong, so I'm very familiar with that and absolutely love that beautiful connection, that recognition of, of the energy that, that we are, that we are within, that that is just so beautiful. But I've, I've never done Tai Chi. So take us into what what is it that happens to you when you are inside of that practice? Maybe combine the two, speak of them separately, however you want to share, because I have found that on this journey, I have I have come to embrace. I had no idea before that you know I knew I was made of energy. In the background, I had that you know I knew Einstein's formula equals mc squared, so energy and mass are are equal. Um, but it wasn't until I started the spiritual path that I began to to cultivate a relationship with my spirit, with my energy. So speak more to that specifically. Oh my goodness, it's like. <laughs> the food for my soul. Mm -hmm. I cannot not do it. It's that much uh, a part of who I am. We're nothing but energy. We're all energy. Yeah. And because we spend so much of our time unaware that there's energy, then we, be we become stagnant. And it's in that stagnation that we have aches and pains and illnesses, serious diseases. So when I do Qigong, and I think of Qigong as the mother of all the martial arts, these are martial arts, mm -hmm. but we don't use them for fighting per se. We're not soldiers, except that we are fighting against uh, disease thinking, mm -hmm. we're fighting against the aches and the pains that grieve our spirits. So in that sense, it's a war. We're trying to bring more light and more energy into our being. So when I do Tai Chi, there is the coordination of the movement of the feet with the hands. When mm -hmm. I do Qigong, it's more movement of the hands or just using more of the mental 
awareness. So I can sit right where I am and rub my hands together very fast until I can feel the heat. And then I can bring them apart and I can still feel the vibration of that energy. And as I move them back and forth, I'm aware that there is something vibrating between my hands. That is the chi. That is the energy. That energy is in the body. So when I'm doing my Tai Chi postures, what I'm doing is activating that energy in my whole system. Um, I will tell you that I am in my 70s now, and I can attribute a lot of my youthfulness and the joy and the vitality that I have to this practice. I started practicing Tai Chi right after I moved from California to Georgia. First time I moved away from California, 1999. First things that I wanted to explore was Tai Chi because I had always wanted to study it. I had grown up in the Bay Area, went to college in San Francisco, and I would see these Asian people in the parks doing these movements. And I was mesmerized by it. And I found out what it was in, in the back of my mind. It was something that I always wanted to explore. Well, once I so-called retired, which is a joke, uh, <laughs> I moved here. And my very first teacher, who made his transition last year, Sifu Armstrong, and he was a Buddhist practitioner. And my first teacher in Riverdale, Georgia. And I studied with him. And then subsequent to that, I've had probably at least a dozen uh, other teachers. And so I'm always taking Tai Chi classes with other people, and I'm always doing it on my own. And I say, when I'm no longer able to stand and physically do the postures, then I will sit and do them. And when I can no longer sit and do them, I will lay in the bed and I will be doing them in my mind. The practice is that powerful. Wow. Well, that that was so beautiful and so inspiring. I'm going to have to sign up for Tai Chi classes. <laughs> uh, yes, as, as Diane is saying, how delightful. And, and Elliot was saying that that was wonderful. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the, the power in that, because when I became aware that I am energy and deliberately, consciously began to cultivate a relationship with that as, as my truth, it began to shift my relationship with my body. You know, the Course in Miracles, as you know, teaches that I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. And the teachings are, are very, very deliberate to return us to the awareness that we exist in the mind of God. We exist as, as pure consciousness. We have been imagined by this creator because we were wanted here. And remembering mm -hmm. that what we are is imagination in the mind of God absolutely changed my relationship with my power. When I began to realize that if I'm not a body and what I am is this creative center 
for God as God expressing itself, I began to play with, well, what would happen if I took conscious responsibility for my thinking? And one of the amazing things that began to happen is I began to realize that I could instruct my body to be, to be healthy, to activate these the centers of energy. I mean, I know we've got these chakras. We understand chakras. We under, in West or Eastern medicine, uh, working with the meridians, working with energy centers. I mean, that is something, that's an art that they have had medicine over there wasn't what we, we know it as here in the West. Medicine is an art. It's, it's a, in the East, it's a recognition of what we actually are. Thousands of years ago, what, what Course in Miracles has been teaching us in the last 50 years, that we're not bodies, what we are is energy. Share how does that, this awareness in your practice, how do you live day to day knowing that what you are is energy, but you also a body? How do you bring those two together so that you, they can coexist in, in an empowered way in, within you? Wow. What a profound question. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I can ask you profound things. <laughs> Goodness. Um, one of the things that I heard on this Tai Chi, World Tai Chi, Qigong Day on Saturday was from one of the um, masters who said the information that we don't get here in America is that in China, in addition to locking down the country, the people were doing the practices. The people were doing the Qigong. The people were doing the Tai Chi. The people were taught to use the practice to heal themselves. So it's not just the uh, virus that impacts the person, but it's the person's mind that has allowed the virus to come in. And if we could elevate ourselves to such an extent that we repel anything that is not to our higher good, then we would not get the virus. This is not different from what one of the um, books that I have studied a lot, which is the science of mind. And the author, Ernest Holmes, it's not different from what he had, has taught. He's- A hundred years ago. Yes, that we can use, there's a power in the universe and we can use it for our good. This power is for good. If it's for good, then it's something that's going to uplift me. If yeah. it's good, then it's something that is going to make me feel joyful. If it's good, then it's going to give me strength. Mm -hmm. And these are the gauges that I use that help me to stay in alignment. So if I'm feeling a little off, then maybe I need to look at what I've been eating. Maybe I need to look at, have I been slacking on, on my exercise? Have I been feeding my mind with mindless movies? Junk food. <laughs> All of this is part of the alignment. 
And it is a constant awareness um, practice. It's a practice of awareness because we are human and we are seduced by things on the television. Someone just told me yesterday that all the televisions are sold out. It's really hard to find a television now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, people are watching more television, maybe with the children being home, they're fighting over what programs to watch, so they are going out to buy a second TV. Maybe they got their stimulus checks, and they're now uh, bringing that second or third TV into the home. But it's easy to be seduced by that machine. And so when I realized that I'm a little off, feeling a little lethargic, you know, something's right. I have to go back and look at what have I been doing? What have I been eating? What have I not been doing? Have I taken time for the stillness? Yeah. Am I studying and bringing new information in to uplift me? Those are the kind of uh, things that, would make me more aware and keep the two sides, that physical human side and that invisible spirit side in a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to just step away. I hear you, but I realize I didn't plug in my charger. Oh, go, go get your charger. We don't want to miss out on a second of your wisdom. Uh, we definitely want to make sure we we keep her totally, completely it's in. <laughs> plugged in. Yes, that's wonderful. You know, that that is such an important topic for us to really be embracing right now. And I always trust that, you know, the right thing is going to be spoken through um, my guest and myself always. I absolutely believe that because we're part of this oneness. We're part of, in the mind of God, we're all being used all the time to be in service for those who are either conscious of it or not. But either way, the seeds get planted. I, I wanna kinda take something that you said from the very beginning of our conversation and, and tie it to, to right now. Yes, Elliot, we definitely are the body of Christ because all of it is that Christ consciousness. So uh, beautiful reminder. But you used um, the words when you, start, when you were referring to Barbara as the person who helped you get on on your on your path and you said that that's when you started your conscious path for me that that is such an important distinction when i am speaking with somebody about their spiritual journey and because to me the distinction between somebody who is really practicing um committed to walking the talk is is that conscious decision is is to be on a conscious path that means deliberate, deliberately questioning what we're doing, because as as you were saying, we have these physical bodies, but there's also this invisible power that we're using. And that power works in whichever way we use it. It works we, we, when we use the mind of the creative source, whatever we think about, we bring about. And that thinking that is in alignment with expressing the, the truth of who we are, like Elliot said, to bring that Christ uh, consciousness, give that Christ that its second coming through each and every one of us. We can also use that same mind when we go unconscious 
And we will begin to use our mind to disconnect from the truth of who we are, to, to begin to activate, you know, what the course calls what I call the egoic mind, that part of ourselves that aligns with just our humanness. And we block our divine self, our Christ consciousness, our Buddha nature, our, you know, stop accessing the mind of God consciously, deliberately. Speak to um, today, you know, we, we're in a world where not everybody understands these principles, but there's more of a yearning for a deeper connection. The, this pause that we're in the midst right now. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to become more conscious of our unconscious state of beingness. Can you speak to what would be a, a great use? Because something we haven't said is that you're also a practitioner of the science of mind teachings. So if you'll start with a little bit of what, what is that, but then how would you, um, what do you suggest people do to begin to question their unconscious way of thinking so that they can align conscious um, awareness with their body to, to cultivate just a little deeper resonance with the truth of who they are. But start off by telling us a little bit about your practitioner training and your work. Okay, actually, I'm going to flip it. I'll come back to that. Okay, however you want to do it. Um, we know that there are basically two emotions or two states for us to be in at any moment. And one is fear mm -hmm. and the other is love. And each of those two states of being have various permutations. For example, anger, judgment, um, violence, these are aspects of the fear. Compassion, kindness, harmony. These are aspects of the love. And as I become conscious, I'll just speak about this in first person. As I become conscious of how I'm feeling and how I'm speaking and the thoughts that are in my head, because those words are just reflections of the thoughts in my head. And as I become more conscious and I begin to adjust what I'm doing, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, when that consciousness sinks in, that's what science of mind philosophy is all about. It's not really a religion because I have friends who are Buddhist. I have friends who are um, Jewish faith, Muslim, and they follow the philosophy of science of mind, religious science. It is the practice of knowing that we are powerful beings imbued with some invisible essence and we are expressions of that mm -hmm. and to the degree that i can accept that that is the truth of who i am then i begin to trust life 
and not fear life. And when I can trust life, it's because I understand the nature of life and the nature of this Christ consciousness, of this Buddha nature, of this invisible uh, essence that I call God is goodness. It's goodness. It does not seek to destroy me. It seeks to bring me into alignment with the truth of who I am. And so for me, uh, as I began to study this philosophy, I wanted to get a deeper and deeper and deeper understanding of it. And I continued taking classes. And before I knew it, I had met the requirements to actually become a licensed practitioner. I'm licensed under the Centers for Spiritual Living, CSL. People who are interested can go to csl.org and there's a lot of information all over the world. There are centers where you can go, or right now we're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can tune in virtually and hear talks uh, that will give you a better understanding of what the um, science of mind philosophy is all about. But for me, it's just like waking up from this deep sleep that the realm of domesticated living from yes. being an early child under the care of my parents and then going to school and then more school and more school. I mean, I did all the way through. So there was always the domestication of expectation, giving people what they wanted rather than being taught how to look deeper into myself. Well, I love that you flipped it and shared it that way, because now I want to tie back to something we talked about earlier that is going to fit perfectly into how to consciously, you know, align that that uh, deliberate conscious knowingness that you were talking about, where you accept and trust life and its goodness. But earlier we had talked about how we have to become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you were talking about, yes, we get domesticated, trained, conditioned, programmed. There's so many words to, to describe. Huh? Brainwashed. Brainwashed, yes. We totally get, get, we become confused when the world begins to tell us how we should be in the world. And when we buy into that we should do it in a way other than how it's natural for each and every one of us our mind gets distorted, our mind becomes um, confused in a way that leaves us not, not being able to align with our own inner knowing. So we become seekers of, of information, of truth, of something. We become seekers of goodness outside of ourselves. Um, and as you had said so beautifully, science of mind is a wonderful philosophy. Course in Miracles is a wonderful philosophy. It's Buddhism is a wonderful philosophy, Hinduism. All of these beautiful teachings that teach truth, none of them can be turned into a religion with a Godhead. If they do, then they've lost the, the real meaning. But they are all always sending us inside to come back and cultivate a relationship with ourselves. Be like that little child that gets curious again and can go into that, that know-nothing mind. Um, so when we return to that, to that place of curiosity, then 
then how would you teach somebody? What, what would be the things that you would suggest for somebody who says, okay, Baji, I am curious. I want to know how do I align my body with this goodness that you're talking about? What would you say to them? Well, may I read something? <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever you want to do. A I'm white one. <laughs> from something that's 3,000 years old from the Tao Te Ching. Oh, beautiful. Tao Te Ching in depth for the last eight months. And it consists of 81 verses. And I want to read the first verse. It's pretty short. <laughs> the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of 10,000 things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one can see the manifestations. These two spring from the same source, but differ in name. This appears as darkness. Darkness within darkness, the gate to all mystery. Yeah. So I read that to say that I can't give the truth to another. Yes. We all must seek it for ourselves. We can bring a curiosity. We can bring the willingness. We can open the door a little bit and say, I am wanting to know something greater than what I know today. And once that opening occurs, the way this process works is that the universe will drop some information. It may be through a person. It may be through a book. It may be a book that has sat on your bookshelf for a long time and you just happen to notice it and take it down. It will come in a variety of ways. It may be you're riding down the street and there's something on a billboard. <laughs> but we must each individually find the truth for ourselves. For me, it is about moving into my heart space how do I feel? Am I feeling emotions of love? Am I feeling harmony and oneness? Am I feeling compassion and kindness? Or am I feeling anger and vengeance and violence and separation? and judgment, those emotions will evoke a different feeling in my heart space. And I trust my heart. My heart does not lie to me. My mind will play games with me, but the heart tells me my truth. So it may be that a person needs to sit in the stillness more. It may be that they need 
to be more creative, go into nature. The greatest teacher there is, is nature. It may be that I need to go into service, that I'm not doing enough to help others. It's different for each person, but you will know when you are being rightly guided. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful that you used the Tao to, to remind us because it is the, the best teacher. Like you said, nature doesn't label anything, doesn't give us the one, two, three steps or the 57 um, ways to, to get to whatever. It is such a beautiful organic process. But you know, that ties back to the goodness of this universe, the, the, the creator, God, I'm so comfortable calling it God now, that, that, that source of all that is, it is lovingly assisting whoever is ready to come back into alignment with it. So for any of us who wants to do the work of questioning our our thinking and seeing are we coming from that fear-based thinking egoic thinking or is our thinking has it been realigned with the truth of what god is and then can we take that knowledge and put it in service through this body vessel can can our mouth speak truth can our hands touch people and, and do loving things can our feet move us in the direction of service um, or do we use this body to hurt others, to, uh, to beat others down, whether it's with our words, with our hands, with our thoughts? Uh, that is just such such beautiful, beautiful um, way that, that you, you put that. So for the person who is curious, knowing that they, we, no, none of us can do this work for anybody else, which is how you know when you're on a true spiritual path. It's not a religious dogma. There, there is no... You, you, there's no cookie cutter way. What what would be, um, what would be a, a couple of suggestions on how to become conscious? As as you're saying, you know, if you, you feel your body, your body doesn't lie, your heart doesn't lie. What what do you do then when you sort out those emotions and you've got the love based ones and the fear based ones, especially with your your practice with qigong or or um, Tai Chi, how do you sort that out to then work through that? Because to me, ultimately, that's the work of this conscious path yeah. is to use those energies and work with them and not let them beat us up or us use them to beat other people up. Well, I mentioned nature, right? And what a beautiful time right now with spring in full bloom. Um, we can take our lessons for our life from what we see reflected around us right now. You know, like three months ago, the trees weren't in this luscious foliage that we see now. But there was no doubt within me that that greenery was going to return. It's like that. 
It's like having that innate knowing. So just look at nature. Right on my deck, there's a bird, a little wren, that has built a nest in an empty pot that was turned on the side. And I've been watching this bird. He, she put everything she could find in that pot to create the safety for those eggs, which have now hatched. We were outside on the deck uh, a couple of days ago, and she was not happy with our presence out there. <laughs> and we were peeking over in the pot, but didn't get too close. And those little hatched eggs now, those little birds, are one day going to fly away. What lesson does that give to me about life? Yes. So I take it from the physical material realm into the metaphysical. That's what the science of mind is all about, metaphysical. And it's like I can come up with an idea and I can bury the seeds of my idea in my mind and I can tend that idea and I can create a safe place for it to germinate and then one day I'm going to express that in creative form. So I look at nature. I don't know how much time we have, Lina, but I did want to read a poem that I wrote about nature. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Please do read but, it. That's a that will be beautiful. I can't wait. I love to write poetry, by the way. Oh. This one is called The Family of Flowers. One purple iris is poised among my garden circle of yellow blossoms. Rising above the others, she blooms upward, lovingly presenting herself just as she is expressing her magnificence to the world. The circle mutually observes and appreciates its cohort, some in wonder, others in awe, none with envy or fear, nor with arrogance or pretension. Beautifully and peacefully, they coexist in the garden circle. My flower garden gives my home more than table decoration. Flowers teach us how to live and love together as a human family. Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. You just described the new earth. That's, uh... that's what's blooming now. Exactly. I think that that's that to me. Oh, that was just so beautiful how you captured in words this incredible opportunity before us when we enter into this conscious path of getting to know what's going on inside of us so that we can choose to align with the goodness of, of this creative source. And um, we don't know quite what it's going to look like, do we? We don't know. We don't know. But no, just think about it globally. 
Something is happening globally. Yeah. All of humanity yeah. being brought to a moment such as this. Yeah. And we will either feed this moment with love and intentionality of goodness, or we're going to be feeding it with fear. Fear is like what? Point, pouring poison on the soil. No, we want to pour pure water yeah. on the soil because as a family of human beings, we're having this opportunity now. Never have we experienced anything like this. I thought I experienced something back in the 70s when we were, you know, doing our <laughs> thought we were building, you know, a new love. <laughs> and free love and oneness and all of that. And we didn't quite get it right. And the powers that be didn't quite want us to get it right. Yeah. That was closed down. Yeah. And a lot of people were disappointed. And not extinguished. Right. Not extinguished. But here we are again with the opportunity to do something great as yes. human family. Yeah. Yes. And, and you know, the, the amazing thing is you were reading in the Tao that, you know, the, the Tao that you can name is not the Tao, but yet we know that there is a Tao. So to live in that paradox, we don't know what it's going to look like, but because this is God's creation, not ours, you know, we're, we're just here temporarily. Um, on this beautiful playground, either bringing our, our consciousness that is aligned with love or we bring our consciousness aligned with fear. That, that's the only options. But when we know, because one of my favorite lines from The Course in Miracles is that we are entitled to miracles, that we are entitled to the goodness of what God has prepared because God does not create anything other than what it is, which is love that we don't know what it's gonna look like, but we can be certain that we should be entitled like a little child for mommy and daddy to take care of us, for mommy and daddy to provide for us, for mommy and daddy to lovingly uh, nurture us. So we, we are in, that, that, um, in, that, in this beautiful playground, this beautiful kingdom of heaven with an opportunity to choose to consciously align with our truth or not. You know, I, I know that a lot of people are going to want to connect with you. So obviously you can connect with Baji uh, via Facebook because this is where we are. But also Baji had said earlier, because I'm going to put this on here, that if anybody wanted to reach out to her, you can connect with her uh, via email, which is Baji, B-A-J-I at bellsouth.net, B-A-J-I at bellsouth.net if you ever want to connect with her. And thank you all so much for the great comments, Jill. I'm so glad that you're here and, and uh, wonderful um, comments because, Baji, your, our conversation has been so wonderful. You have shared so many beautiful nuggets um, of great wisdom and that poetry was beautiful. And, oh, good, Dondra. I'm glad that you, got, you felt inspired. Of course you would feel inspired by this amazing, magnificent being. So, Ms. Baji. Let, let's talk about 
um, the what I'm going to call the practical application of these truths. Right now, here we have this incredible pandemic, an opportunity for us to to get quiet and to take to take the time to do what you were saying earlier, to sit, to get still, and to to be silent and listen. What would be something that you would love for people to take as a practical way of beginning, you know, of, of shifting mm -hmm. their alignment to their fears and shifting that alignment to their goodness or truth to know that there is hope for them. Because when we are stuck inside of our fears, it's really hard to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go sit still and receive the truth that is mine. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to name it because it's nameless. When, when we're in a tough spot, we need some practical steps. What would be some practical steps that you could offer? Again, I call your attention to the symbol behind me. The light and the dark, the yin and the yang. Notice that within the dark, there's a circle of light. And notice within the light, there's a, the darkness circle. So... If we want to stay more in the light than in the dark, it's, it's an interplay that never ends. And we have to constantly balance it. But we can practice gratitude. If you're in the dark place, think of one thing that you can be grateful for. Look out of the window. Look at nature. Read a poem. The poetry is designed to elevate our spirit. Read a poem. Put on some music that uplifts your soul. I've been listening a lot to one of... Um, Alicia Keys' new songs. I, I love Alicia Keys' music anyway, but she has a new album. And one of the songs on that album, the name escapes me. Listen to all the songs on there. They're all good. <laughs> but it just makes me feel good. And get up and move. If you don't know Tai Chi, just get up and move your body. Shake. Just shake. Um, get the energy flowing. Uh, one of the worst things to do if you're feeling that you're in that dark place, maybe depressed, maybe fearful, is to stay in the bed and cover your head up and nestle in that darkness. Okay, maybe one day you can do that. But if you're doing that a second day, then no. You got to try something else. That is not working. <laughs> <laughs> One day in the PJs watching movies, okay? You can binge out on the movies all day. One day, but not two days in a row. No, 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 no. So go out and take a walk, get some fresh air, just sit on the porch. <laughs> You know, do something different from what you've been doing if what you're, you've been doing is not making you feel good.
<laughs> One of the things that I didn't mention, I mentioned sitting in stillness and studying and sharing, but I didn't mention prayer. And I know it's hard for people that don't believe that there's a higher power to pray. So I would say, find someone that can pray for you. If they believe it, say, well, I don't believe it, but I know you believe it. So in your belief, can you pray for me? <laughs> 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 yes, isn't that what it's all about is opening up to the possibility of something good, that there that there's something good that we can count on. Oh, it's it's to me that is that would be the thing that would remedy just about all of our ills is if we trusted that there was goodness available to us because we've all been conditioned that there is bad stuff and mean stuff and horrible stuff. But if we could trust like that sign that there is goodness and, and just tap into that, if not on our own through a friend, what a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful uh, opportunity that would be to allow us to shift. I have so enjoyed this conversation and so has everybody else, all these wonderful comments, uh, Baji, I am so grateful to you, and I am so grateful that you you answered the call um, when you got curious, and you you answered Barbara's invitation, and you went and you found that there was something uh, wonderful waiting for you, and all all it required was your willingness to to open up and receive it. And here, you have aligned with that truth, and you live from that truth, and you share Absolutely. that truth. And it's just so beautiful. So um, I'm just going to mention that next week I will have uh, as my guest on Align with Lina, uh, Birgitta Keen. And she is somebody who has decided um, that through her spiritual journey, the practice of laughter yoga has helped her really connect with something joyful inside of herself. And she really believes that the whole world should be laughing. And we're going to have a conversation about her journey, and she's going to share her ideas on, on laughter yoga and how to make it a practical thing. Because I love to laugh. I know, Baji, you like to laugh. We, we laugh together all the time in, um, in our, our classes. But anyways, thank you so much, Sharon, for joining us. Yes, it was a beautiful conversation. So let's... Um, Oh, I do want to mention one more thing is that if if you want to receive the, the soul's journey, which is it's something that came to me to share that takes people through the six phases that we move through from conception to enlightenment, that helps us understand how we got programmed, domesticated, and the process to begin to release those that programming that covers up our light so that we can align with the source of all that is our goodness. Um, just go to my website, lineorlando.com. But now I want to give it to you, Baji. Leave us with uh, your, your last, your final words of wisdom for today. <laughs> well, what I want to emphasize is there is science behind what we have been talking about. There, I mean, actual science research that shows that how one thinks and feels, influences the outcome of their, of their life, of their physical well-being, 
So this is not just a lot of woo-woo conversation that we've had. This is scientifically, um, factually based. Yeah, it's proven. If anyone is wanting a better experience in life, and you can't fully trust what Lina and Baji are saying, then you can go and do some research. And there's something called the Three Amigos, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, and who's the third one? Uh, uh, Greg Braden. Greg, Greg Braden. Braden. And people can do their own research. And these are medically trained doctors. And they will tell you that you can keep yourself in a healthy place of well-being by how you think and how you are feeling. And yes, laughter is <laughs> medicine to the soul. So we'll be tuning in next week, Lina. On <laughs> Well, Baji, thank you so much for uh, sharing your your love, your energy, your wisdom, and to all of you uh, amazing audience that were with us and have been receiving this wonderful information, because it's fun for me to share it, but it's a lot more fun when it is received, and um, because we, we just love to sprinkle, sprinkle these seeds all over the place. So thank you all. Have a magnificent day, and remember, we were created for goodness, and that is our birthright. So go be as good as you want to be. All right, everybody. Thanks a bunch, Baji. And we will see you next week on the next episode of Align with Lina. Bye-bye.